Hey guys, and welcome back to anyone who's been here before. Welcome to anyone who's new to the Keys to Owning. Thank you so much to everybody who reached out about the new branding. I'm really excited about it. It's a much better reflection of my personal aesthetic, and I really love that it brings the faces of my guests forward, because without them, we wouldn't be here. I also have some big news. Drum roll, please. Awkward, because I guess that only works in person. Anyway, I passed my realtor exam, which means I will be able to register for my residential real estate license and start helping y'all out in a professional manner very soon, which is super cool. And thank you all for all of your encouragement and believing in me. We did it. And on that subject, you're listening to The Keys to Owning a real estate show about Canadian property owners, what they wish they knew sooner, their advice, and how they got to where they are today. Today, you are listening to part three of our mini-series. For anyone catching up, parts one and two, we're discussing questions to ask yourself to determine if property ownership is right for you, and if yes, then some tips to establish a reasonable budget. Part three is all about choosing your team what professionals you'll need to find, and some of the do's and don'ts to make sure that they actually know what they're doing. It's probably going to be a short one, but it's also probably one of the most important tips that I can give someone looking to purchase their new home. Or one of. I guess there are several kind of embodied into this, so... Whether you are buying or selling a home, there are some key stakeholders that you definitely want to find to help guide you through that process. We're going to focus on the four primary stakeholders or professionals that you might need to... Yes, Kencho, we are, whether you like it or not. Sorry if you can hear my dog in the background. As I was saying, we are going to start with the professionals that are typically involved in a purchase. And at a later time, or if you are going into a sale, feel free to reach out to me and I will absolutely probably be a little too excited to talk to you all about the tips and tricks that I would use in that situation. To start, you have me, your realtor. I'm totally kidding. But I do highly recommend that you work with a realtor because typically it is of no cost to you as the buyer. Your realtor will set an agreement with the real estate agent or broker representing the seller, and the commission will be paid out by the seller, usually from the funds of the sale. A good realtor is going to be able to walk you through the process with an objective approach, so it's really nice to have them there in your corner. They'll be able to give you strategies to achieve your personal purchase goals and keep you from making any emotional choices, such as giving up after being outbid in today's market or dropping an inspection clause because you really don't want to risk losing a property, and just having them there to remind you that this could be a long-term purchase. It could be a long-term game. Reminding you of your objectives is really nice to have. So here are some do's when looking for a real estate broker. Interview several brokers. It's a really expensive and can be a really exciting transaction. And you want to make sure that you have someone that you trust and who earns their commission and isn't just there signing a document and sending you on your way. Ask your friends and family if they know any brokers, but also do your own research And I can't stress this point enough. You can go on Facebook, you can go on Google, search for forums for realtors in your area and reviews of realtors in your area. And if you're on a Facebook group and you say, oh, does anyone know a realtor? And someone says, yes, I know this amazing realtor. Ask them why. Why was this an amazing realtor? What did they do that made the experience such an exceptional experience? 
Once you've done this, you can make a list of two, three, even more realtors and interview them. This takes us into our second do. What do you do in the interview? What you can do in the interview is prepare a couple of questions so that you're comparing apples to apples. You can prepare some scenario type questions like what happens if I get an inspection and an issue is found? Or what are my options to make an offer more attractive if I can't increase my offer price or the deposit amount that I can put down? What happens if I'm second in place but I still want to be able to make offers on other properties? A broker should be able to answer these questions or at least demonstrate to you that they are going to put all of their effort into getting you clear answers to these questions. If they dismiss you or if they can't answer or if for whatever reason you feel like they're not really trying to answer your questions to your satisfaction, I'd really honestly recommend continuing your interviews. It's a big transaction and you want to make sure that you're supported through it in the best way possible and not just taking the first broker that kind of comes across your plate. Anyway, let's talk about some don'ts. You do not want to go with the first realtor, as we were just saying, that comes across your whatever it might be. Just because somebody mentions them, you want to make sure that you do your own homework. You might end up working with them anyway at the end, but do your own homework. We all want to trust our friends and family But the truth is that most of our friends and family are not real estate professionals. And just because they had a perceived great experience doesn't actually mean that the broker they worked with did a complete or thorough job. People just won't get upset about what they don't know. It's totally plausible that the broker someone worked with did a great job in a very simple and straightforward transaction, but that they may never have dealt with a certain scenario and have no idea what to do if they came across it in real life. This is why it's really important to shop for your broker yourself and make sure that whether or not they have dealt with specific problematic scenarios, they have the support and mentorship behind them to know how to approach any problem that might arise. One last point on broker don'ts is do not sign an exclusive brokerage agreement that does not have a reasonable exit clause for you. Many brokers may ask you to sign an exclusive brokerage contract. It's not uncommon. It's not sneaky. It's good. In fact, these contracts effectively define the agreed upon conditions between you and your broker or agent and also include a duration for which you agree to work with that broker and not to solicit or work with other real estate brokers, which makes sense, right? Nobody wants to do a bunch of work for you only to have you run off and buy a house with another broker. Or in the case of selling, uh, they don't want to help you prepare all of the listing and everything and then have you sell your house privately. It's a bilateral contract. So the broker is also signing that they agree to uphold their side of the agreement. But what you want to make sure of is that in the case where something happens and you no longer feel comfortable working with that broker, or if they are not responsive enough and you want to move on and decide to go and buy or sell a house without them, that you have the ability to officially exit the contract and to do so without the broker being able to come after you for commissions. Okay, that was a little heavy. Let's move on to the next member of our standard real estate team, the mortgage broker. A mortgage broker is really important. Again, a lot of people don't actually work with a mortgage broker. They'll go directly to someone who works in the mortgage department of their bank, and that is not wrong to do at all. However, if you want to see what the options are and have a more consultant approach, I highly recommend working with an independent mortgage broker who's able to tell you about the different products offered by several different institutions on the market. Now, again, with this type of broker, you don't directly pay for the broker or their services, they are paid out of the actual mortgage that you end up taking or signing to. 
So it's a no-brainer. Why not work with one? It's free. One of the do's that you want to do with a mortgage broker is to interview several. You want to test their response time because when you're purchasing a property, the offer is almost always conditional on you qualifying for financing within a predefined delay. If you don't get a response within a timely manner, it's unfortunate, but realistic that their delayed response could... See, even Kendra's upset about it. But realistically, that could mean that your offer could expire and you could lose the property if you don't get a response within a timely delay. So get your mortgage broker involved from the very beginning. In the current market, your offer basically won't even be considered if you're not pre-approved. So you almost certainly would have them involved from the get-go anyway, but it is still good just to keep this in mind. One last due recommendation is if you're able, describe your long-term goals to your mortgage broker. It feels a little weird for some people to do this, and a lot of people get very fixated on the best rates and so forget to actually discuss what their long-term goals are with the professionals in this space. But the best rate is not always going to define the best type of agreement for everyone. Explaining your long-term goals gives your broker the ability to understand where you want to get to, and it might actually determine the type of mortgage and the term length that they recommend. For example, if you think you may want to pull some equity out of your property in, let's say, two, three years, a broker may discuss a home equity line of credit option with you or a variable rate mortgage, something other than a typical five-year fixed mortgage that you would have to pay a break fee to get out of in that two, three years. And having had that discussion beforehand could save you literally thousands of dollars at that point three years down the line when you may decide that you want to take that equity out of your house. A couple of quick don'ts regarding mortgage brokers are do not speak to only one bank or institution. Do not forget to ask about hidden costs such as appraisal costs or anything else like break fees that might be in your mortgage, repayment fees, etc. And do not sign a mortgage agreement without first asking what will happen if by great luck you fall upon a bunch of money and you want to pay your mortgage back early or by unfortunate luck you don't like your agreement with your bank anymore and you want to take your mortgage somewhere else. Do not sign an agreement without first reviewing these. And if you have the luxury to have someone else review them too, that's always a great idea. One last thing that I'll say here is when you go get your pre-approval, Just make sure that you are not signing an exclusivity contract because typically speaking in the process of how the real estate transaction timeline works, you'll get pre-approved by some institution. Maybe it will be the one that you end up going with. And then you'll go and you'll shop around for houses or condos or whatever the property is. You'll make some offers. And then at the point of closing is when you actually get your approval typically on your mortgage. So you want to make sure that you still have that flexibility to choose your institution around the point of closing and or have the time in between while you're still shopping around for homes to still shop around for whatever the best mortgage agreement might be for you. Next up, we've got the property inspectors. I don't know if you guys know this about me, but this part is the most exciting for me. I love sleuthing around properties and finding out if things are wrong or if things are right and what caused those things to be wrong or right. I just love the structure of how houses are built and things. So this is a very exciting portion for me. One thing that I would highly recommend is to start Googling and or calling home inspection services before you even start your visits if you are interested in purchasing in that area. And the reason I say this, although it may sound strange, 
is that when you make an offer on a property, just like with the financing, you might want to add a clause saying you want it inspected and you need to specify a time within which you are willing to have that inspection done, have the report delivered to you, read the report, and then if there are any issues found, you also need to make a decision on what you want to do about it, all within the legally allotted time frame that is stipulated in the offer. So imagine you have 10 days to do this, which is actually even longer than what a lot of people might put in the contracts now. You do not want to find yourself in a situation where you are rushed to research services, compare prices, book the inspection, wait for the delay of the inspection, have the inspection done, wait for the report to be given to you, have maybe half a day left to review it and come to some decision or risk losing the property if you can't make a decision that fast. That would be very stressful and it's completely unnecessary to live through that stress. So do future you a favor and call around, ask about prices, the different types of inspections, the expected delay times for booking and the delivery of the reports, because some will give it to you immediately and some will give it to you maybe two days later. And then also ask about the types of properties that they specialize in. Some will just do generally any type of inspection, but someone who inspects a lot of old detached houses will have a better idea of what warning signs might look like for an old detached house than maybe an inspector who has a track record of new build condos, for example. The last professional that we're going to talk about today is your notary, or in some provinces, this might be called your real estate lawyer. You'll have to look this up for whichever province you are in, or you can ask your agent or broker and they'll absolutely know. You can listen to episode seven, The Real Cost of Ownership, for a story about how that difference of rules between provinces almost caused an offer to expire. So it is very important to know. In Quebec, it's a notary or a notaire that deals with reviewing and registering real estate transactions. The notary is going to review all of the documents and contracts from all of the participating parties and facilitate the transfer of funds from the buyer to the seller, in addition to the payout of commissions to the seller's real estate agency. The notary also handles the calculation of adjustments due. So these would be things like uh, the buyer paying the seller back for the portion of the taxes that covers the part of the year that the buyer will be the owner of the property, or if it was a revenue property and the buyer is buying on the 15th of the month, an adjustment would be made for the seller to pay the buyer the amount of rent that the tenant had paid the seller for the second half of the month. Those types of things uh, are all included in the adjustments. So now that we understand a little bit what the notary's role is, in terms of tips and tricks for choosing a notary, I don't have too many other than try and find one that you like. These are professionals that will also be helping you later in life with items such as creating a will, verifying transmissions. It's always nice to have one that you actually enjoy working with and can have a lasting relationship with. Uh, A couple of things that you'll want to just note when you are comparing notaries, obviously the price. You will want to clearly understand what the notary is charging you for, what's covering their services, and what fees will you be paying towards the actual registration of the sale and the mortgage. And a lot of the signing of the documents and things, even the notarial review now are done remotely, grâce à COVID. But it's still important to make sure that your notary plans to sit with you and do a painstaking review of each document and each adjustment made. It's one of those situations where painstaking probably represents great work on their part. One thing I will add as a do is ask your notary about title insurance. If you go all the way back to episode one, we can understand why title insurance is so important. Just as a review for anyone who missed episode one, P.S. go back and listen to it. But if you don't have time, title insurance is an insurance that will cover you in the event that 
someone pops out of nowhere, like a great grandson of whoever, whatever, and has proof that they actually have title rights to your property. So you won't like lose your property to them. It will also cover things like if, for example, you bought a house and it had a beautiful rooftop terrace and then some bloke from the city came around and said, actually, you don't have the right to have a trace here and we don't have permits for that. You never paid for the permits for that. Title insurance will give you the money to have the work done to have that terrace made to code or to have the right permits purchased or maybe even the work done to have it taken down. But title insurance... For a really good story and example of how it can save thousands of dollars, go back to episode one. It's definitely important to ask about. There are certain situations where it's irrelevant, but definitely important to ask about. And your notary is going to have a comment on it if they are a good notary. We obviously only talked about four main professions, but these are the four main professionals within the real estate space that are going to be involved in basically every transaction. There are several more that you should just be aware of and keep in mind, like real estate accountants, especially if you've got a lot of your own business or something like this going on. Definitely make sure that you understand all of your tax benefits from owning property. If you're buying a new build, make sure that you understand the taxes that will be due on that new build. Mm. Yeah, taxes suck, Ken, I know. You maybe want to know about a surveyor, so these are the people that will come and they define the lots. If you're ever having a dispute over a property line with your neighbor, surveyors are good to know about. Structural or geological engineers are often brought in to do secondary phase assessments. If you're purchasing in like an old neighborhood, it's nice to have a couple of those on hand. Again, a broker should be able to connect you with some. And then the typical like electricians, contractors, etc. Just keep those in mind when you are thinking of purchasing a home. So I hope I provided you with a foundational understanding of some key professions that you will encounter in the real estate transactions. I do have a favor to ask of you. Please share this with a friend who is looking to buy, whether it be by your own verbal transmission or the actual episode link. I don't really care as long as you're sharing the knowledge. If you or they have any questions or when you're ready to start your real estate transaction process, please reach out to me at keys to owning on Instagram and I will be super, super happy to help 